Welcome to a special edition of Pardon the Confusion. It's our Oscars edition, a new tradition we started last couple years, Ernest Watson and myself, because we love movies, but I don't love them quite as much as Ernest. Ernest Watts from Rockingham, North Carolina. How many movies do you think you've seen in 2019 during the whole year? Uh, 2016, including no, 19. DVD. 19. 19. Just this last I year. I got, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Already in trouble. I'm three years behind. Including ones on DVD? It's I'd a, say at least 100. Wow. How many in the theater? In the theater, probably 20 to 25. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 20 to 25. But yeah, and a lot of DVDs, a lot on pay-per-view channels, easily 100. Easily 100. And you at the movie theater have a strict rule, no food at movie theater. But at home, surely you eat when you watch at home, right? No, no. I'll have a Diet Coke, but I don't eat. No, that that's that's dishonors the process. Oh, eating, eating is at the dinner table. No, come plus, on. Plus, I'm on a diet. I really, I've got a lot of forces working against no, me. No, no, it's not called so, a diet anymore. It's called a lifestyle change, man. Yeah, I can't. I don't get the munch now. I, I eat at a meal or I don't eat at all, so I don't get the snacks. Snacks oh. are gone. There are no snacks in the house. Sorry. Bummer. That's, wow. I know, yeah. Yeah, we haven't had bread in the house for years, and sometimes like, it's just like I have to have bread, so I make some pancakes just to get my bread fixed but anyways we're talking about the oscars and we're going to first talk about the movies that were nominated for best picture in case you haven't paid attention out there dear listener to all the great pictures that are out there and i see probably about 12 to 14 movies in the theater a year Um, my wife and i go a lot more than we used to it's very relaxing to us and to go and it's a lot of fun to go to a good movie so i'm going to go through two at a time and Ernest, if you would help us do a summary and I'll, I'll do the summary of the ones that I know and I'm leaning on you to know, do the ones I didn't see. So let's start the first picture. Now, are, are, well, well, let me ask the question. Are we doing spoiler alerts? Are we telling people do, no spoilers here? Um, I think we say no spoilers for this podcast. And if we are tempted, we'll give them a warning before we do it. How about that? Okay. All right. No spoilers. So okay. like Just we'll say, you know, Turn it down for the next 30 seconds and then come back, you know, or skip okay. ahead 30 seconds. I didn't want to ruin the experience for anybody, so I want to get the ground rules down first. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, all right, so the first movie uh, nominated for Best Picture, and these days we don't just have four or five nominated. We have like one, two, I'm going to count them up here, ten movies nominated, which is crazy to me, but that helps each movie theater promote a little bit more. So the first one is Ford versus Ferrari. I went to see that. It's Matt Damon and Christian Bale in a true, mostly true story of back in the uh, 60s and early 70s about how Ford was competing uh, against Ferrari in, over in Europe and all the travails of trying to come up with the right kind of car. A great movie, a guy movie in a lot of ways, but my wife really enjoyed it. And even if you know the basic premise, there's a lot here and great acting performances by both main lead characters and great cars. Boy, if you like a good car, the sound of a car and the in a good car action, you'll love this movie. Uh, the next one is a movie I have not seen, and it was one of them that was on Netflix, of all things. And Ernest, you sat through all three hours of The Irishman? Three hours and 45 minutes. So give us a summary of The Irishman. The Irishman is a tale of a Irish... 
uh, union worker from Philadelphia, a military veteran who gets involved with the mob. And the expression he uses all the time is, uh, I paint houses, which is a euphemism for he's a contract killer. And he gets involved with the, the Teamsters Union, becomes very close to Jimmy Hoffa, so close, too close to Jimmy Hoffa. And the impact of working for organized crime and the Teamsters over a period of time has an impact on his personal life, particularly with his daughter and his uh, second wife. Mm. It's uh, kind of like Zelig in that you see a lot of historical figures running through and out the movie. Uh, of course, this is a Martin Scorsese, so it's a gangster film. He's worked so much with Robert De Niro. De Niro is the lead character. But there's a lot of great acting performances, a little bloated, but, but an enjoyable movie to say the least. Yeah, they've been making fun of it on TV about how long it is and what you can do while you're watching the whole thing. And Netflix has really stepped up to be a, a player in it. Um, and realistically, they do a great job of de-aging. Yeah, CGI. Uh, Joe Pesci, <laughs> CGI, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. And a lot of people say they look kind of wax figure. But to me, and, and see, I knew all these actors when they were much younger. Uh, and the fact that it looks like they did when they were younger. And let me tell you, there is a, there's a supporting actor who's getting very little credit, who does a great job. And that's Ray Romano, who plays the union's attorney. Mm. And Ray Romano, for a dramatic role, looks different, does a great job in this movie. Not everybody loves Raymond in this movie? No, well, yeah, he's a fixer more than anything else. <laughs> he does a pretty good job. He really does. I, I was impressed. And it's one of those, like, is that who I think it is? You know, you see that in movies sometimes. Well, the next one nominated really surprised me when it first came out, and I have not seen it, Jojo Rabbit, which is set in Germany, and it has... Hitler all as part of the main characters in it. Did you see this movie? Yes, I did. And a lot of people think, well, and this is the producers, right? It's a comedy about it. But it, it has a very dark turn at the end. Basically, as a young man, young boy, uh, single mother, and he's having a difficult time fitting in. And he gets in with the uh, Nazi youth. And because the way he... he deals with not being accepted by the crowd is he invents a fictional Hitler to give him advice. Same time as he finds out his mother is harboring a young Jewish girl trying oh. to smuggle her out of Germany. Ooh. And you, it's not a broad comedy as you think it is. And it takes a very dark turn at the end. Well, the director of but, it plays Hitler in the movie, correct? Yes, yes. Takio Akai who uh, was, of course, he was in the Thor movies. He was also in Endgame. He played the little rock figure in that respect. He's part of, there used to be a TV show on HBO called Flight of the Concords. Right. And with Jermaine Clement, and he, he's part of that ensemble group. But he's a technically a very good actor. He does very good comedy. He actually does a TV show on FX called uh, What We Do in the Dark, What We Do in the Shadows about vampires. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not the laugh fest. It's not a Mel Brooks movie by any respect. Mm -hmm. it, it has some dark. I mean, it makes you laugh, and you laugh at the Nazis. But at the end, there is something that uh, again mm -hmm. brings you back to reality. Well, real any fast. movie with Scarlett Johansson is worth watching, if you ask me. 
but let me one move of on. two <laughs> actors in, one of two actors in yes. two best picture nominees right well so yeah she's nominated for both actress and actress in a supporting role and leading role this year so good chance that she might be the best of all the avenger actors in a way so um let's move on uh joaquin phoenix really made a mark in previous movies by totally selling out to be um you know the man in black um Gosh, I'm losing Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. I mean, whatever he does, he just totally sells out, and people sometimes think he's a little crazy. So he played a different version of a Joker, not the Batman Joker, but did you see Joker as well? Yes, I did. Uh, it is a very polarizing movie. You're either gonna like it or love it. In that, but I found it to be a very realistic portrayal of mental illness and how mental illness affects people's lives and there's recidivism that if you're born in a family with mental illness, you will display some of the same traits. Like I said, and this is Robert De Niro's second movie because he plays a, a Johnny Carson-like character in it, do it. Uh, it is, to me, I, I found it very, very fascinating. And again, uh, a lot of people, it's not a comic book movie it, by any means whatsoever. If, if the name was not Joker, you would, I think it would be treated a lot different in that respect. I, I liked it. I went into it a little apprehensive because it's a down movie. It's a very dark movie. Strangely, it's directed by Todd Phillips, the same guy who did the hangover movies. Mm. But uh, now, now he's not my best Joker. And I've lived through so many Jokers. Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson. Uh, and again, if, he, he, but all of them did it differently. Heath Ledger did him as a terrorist. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is doing it with someone with mental illness. Jack Nicholson was doing it as a gangster. Yeah. Cesar Romero was doing a comic book character in that respect. So it's, it's fascinating how all of them portrayed the same character a little differently. Isn't this a lot like the movie King of Comedy where uh, De Niro played a guy that was obsessed with a Tonight Show host played by Jerry Lewis and he... He kidnapped him. Isn't it a lot like that movie? It's similar, but the the the, the scene in the late night the, the the TV show is really incidental. Whereas the King of Comedy, that's all he ever wanted to do was get with Jerry Lewis. Never spoke. That was a Scorsese movie. Sandra Bern Bernhardt was in it also. She was the accomplice, so to speak. But that was played more for laughs or awkward humor. Mm -hmm. This is a very serious movie, and there's not a lot of laughing uh, to the extent, even though you say it's the Joker. I, like I said, I, I had apprehensions going in because a lot of people are saying this was going to instill. I mean, they actually had warnings to the theaters when it went out that this was going to instill violence mm -hmm. because it's, it's based on class differentiation, yeah. the rich versus the poor. And I thought, I came out and thought, well, this a lot better than that. I was pleasantly surprised when I saw the movie. Well, the next movie that's nominated, I know you didn't go see, and that's Little Women. And it's the classic story of a, a family and women who had to survive after the father dies. And um, that Louise Alcott's story. And my mom and sister went to see it. They liked it very much. And there's been some um, rumblings that it, why didn't it get more nominations. It's a story that's been told different times, but this time it was directed by a woman, uh, Greta something or another, but uh, 
Greta Getwick. Yes. So neither one of us has seen it. So we can't really uh, explain if that's a good movie or not to see. Um, The next one is Marriage Story, which has two really interesting characters, Scarlett Johansson and then Adam Driver. Both of them got nominations for actor in a leading role and actress leading role from this movie. I have not seen it. It's one of those I want to see on Netflix or whatever when it's available. Is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Uh, basically, it's based on Noah Baumbach's uh, his divorce, and I forgot the actress' name, but but it is in it is is type of movie that draws you in because two people who, of course, love each other know they can't stay married because they're bicoastal. She's from the west coast; he's from the east coast, and they try to do a simple divorce, and it just the attorneys get in. And becomes warfare, mm. and to the extent that both of them become disengaged from their only child, Ooh. and so it's it's emotionally, you're going to take sides into it, but but again, it's well done. Uh, you, you just you see the tear apart the people that love each other but can't live with each other. Is this a, like a situation where Hollywood loves a movie about Hollywood? <laughs> because isn't this sort of about an actress? Yeah, yeah, to the extent. And, and again, Bombay does very witty dialogue. I mean, the dialogue is very sharp and very penetrating. There's a scene where they have a uh, confrontation in his apartment because he has to set up an apartment in Los Angeles so he can get partial, ex- uh, partial custody. Uh, exposure to custody of his child. And they just have it out. And he puts his fist through the wall and it's very raw and very open. It's, you know, we've all been exposed to discussions like this at some time uh, of people going through a split up like this. And this is realistic. It's very raw. You don't feel like it's an acting performance. I know that they improvised a lot of the lines in it. And by the way, while they were doing this, uh, Scarlett Johansson was going through her second divorce. She didn't tell the director ahead of time. So she was going through a divorce while going through this in that respect. Jennifer Jason Lee was Bombach's ex-wife, oh. and he based it on that split up because Johansson's character is very similar to her, a child actress who had a revival of her career as she got older. Okay. All right. The next one is another movie that I have not seen, but it looks so well done, but the whole topic is depressing to me. That's 1917. World War One. everything I've ever seen, every movie I've ever seen about it, left me downhearted. I think Captain York was the only one that made me feel a little bit better, and I'm dating myself talking about that. And you say that 1917 is filmed in one long one scene, shot. real but, but time, now I, by the well, director who did Skyfall, right? Yeah, James Bond. But before we get into that, you've never seen Wages of Valor? And I have to say that because we lost Kirk Douglas today. No, I and never saw Wages of Valor. Which is a World War I movie in which just that's a little classic in the 50s. Take a chance to see that. Back, back to 1917. And sorry, uh, again, Kurt Douglas, one of our great actors of all time, whose last performance was on an episode of The Simpsons. But I digress. <laughs> 1917, I don't find it depressing. I mean, to the extent that you have two guys who are given a job one of them, their brother is in a battalion that are walking into a trap. So they have 12 hours to walk across uh, no man's land to get the message before his brother is sent into 
a trap where they'd be surrounded by the Germans and everything that could go wrong. But their their dedication and the dedication of the other soldiers they come upon. And there's a beautiful scene at the end where they walk into a group of soldiers getting ready to be sent into action, mm-hmm. and they're all singing "In My Father's Land." Wow! Uh, it's it's artfully done, single shot. It is engrossing. It is well done. It's historically based on Sam Mendez's grandfather, who told him the story. Oh wow! Who, uh, Who's the so director it's of the, the movie? Yep. Sam Mendes, of course. And the, the date they show you, which is April 2nd, 1970, is the day America joined World War One. And World War One historically is unusual because it's kind of the crucial point where war became brutal and mechanical, uh, where we left the part where regimentation, where guys would march in battalions and groups and all this thing. And it, we had the gas warfare and all the bombs and the airfare the first war that we had airfare planes dropping bombs. So it's, it is well done. It, a lot of people are saying, well, this is a technical trick. It does not pull away from the story itself. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we think personally, my wife and I, Skyfall is the best James Bond movie ever made. Just the whole thing. And he directed better, that. But in Goldfinger. Yes. Than, Goldfinger was right. fun, but just for pure drama and intrigue and action, we like Skyfall the best. All right, that was years in the past. The next one is a Tarantino movie, and I would just say up front, I'm not a huge Tarantino fan. This is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This may be his last movie. That's something he's hinted at. Oh, but he's not. Uh, he's he not. has he's, said that, though. Hey, yeah, he says that. He's also got a Star, a Star Trek movie that he wants to do also, so... Uh, so this you, you is like, Brad Pitt like Pulp Fiction? and Leonardo, like Pulp Fiction? and Leonardo must be his favorite actor, don't you think? Uh, he's done like three of them with Leonardo. Yeah, he's done three with Leonardo. If if you liked late sixties Hollywood, the the westerns that used to be on TV, uh, if you liked that, you'd love this movie. I mean, the the detail, the attention to detail is outstanding. There's a He's filming a role on an old Western show called Lancer. And he has the episode and he has the dialogue all good. And, of course, they run into the Manson family. And all I can say was, um, if you like the Bastards movie, but you were a little put off because he changed history, guess what he does in this also? Not a spoiler alert, but it's not realistic. But the attention to detail, Brad Pitt, is just being Brad Pitt. I mean, he does a good role. <laughs> he gets but nominated he, for it, even. You know, the women swoon when he's 50 years old and 55 years old and he takes his shirt off. But again, the, the attention to detail is just, and the, the small parts for actors. And I remember these old shows and the people he has playing those parts are remarkable because he has someone uh, playing Steve McQueen who looks just like Steve McQueen. He has someone playing Bruce Lee who looks... And acts and sounds just like Bruce Lee. And this is not so, CGI, you don't think, when they have these No, no, come? no, 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 no. How can Because I tell? know the actors. Because I know the actors oh, that, okay. that are playing those roles. So a little uh, extra makeup would, and they look a lot like them. Yeah, yeah. The actor playing Steve McQueen was in uh, Band of Brothers. 
so uh, so I know he's an English actor, but he he pulls it off so well. Technically, again, you feel like you're in the late sixties. He has a radio playing the commercials. And you're how and old using in the, the late sixties? You are how old? Ten. Late sixties. I was. No, no, I was thirteen, fourteen years old. Oh. They have Adam West playing in the background on a radio program. Like I said, it's it's technically very. I mean, I can. He based uh, Leonardo's role on an actor by the name of James Saxton, mm. and it's it's he's going through the back part of his career. He's lost his TV show, and now he's playing villains. Uh-huh. He actually has him filling in a, an episode of the FBI. <laughs> which was actually done by Burt Reynolds yeah. and CGI had put him in the, he, he, he does CGI put him in old TV shows, which is remarkable how he pulls that off. Mm. Yeah. Well, how cool would it be to drive around in Los Angeles, Hollywood in late sixties in a convertible, right? I think that's part of the lore that um, it's just sort of a cool time of period. Uh, the last movie nominated for best picture. I know you didn't see, you talked about it. It's, um, I think, a Korean film, terror film, Parasite. Um, no, it's a comedy, actually. It's a comedy. <laughs> Boy, I got that wrong. <laughs> it's basically based on a family that is barely getting by that ingratiates themselves with a wealthy family and slowly but surely replaces the help staff one by one and then they find out the father of this rich family is actually hiding from gamblers. So it's a lot of mistaken identity. It is subtitled uh, to the extent, but it's it's uh, it's a awkward comedy type of movie, to say the least. Mm. And, and now he did science horror movies. Uh, Bong Joho, his first two movies were The Host and I forgot the other one, but they were science fiction movies. This is the first time he's tried comedy, but it's based on class warfare more than anything else. How yeah. the, the, the rich basically don't acknowledge that there are poor people and they're making money off poor individuals. That sounds sort of like real, the Joker thing. Real laugh here. out loud. Yeah, it is. It's very similar in that respect. Yeah. Well, it's rare for a movie made overseas to make the best picture like that. Uh, besides, you know, sometimes from England it will happen. Sometimes from France will make the best picture. But I don't remember one from Korea making it before. Um, I think the only time a best picture was from a foreign country was uh, particularly Asia. Hidden was Tiger. Crouching Tiger, Hidden yeah. Tiger, yeah. Yeah, whatever, Tiger. <laughs> All right. It wasn't about Fu golf movie. either. The, the Kung Fu movie, right? Yeah. Um, so now we're going to go through um, our picks for best actor, actresses. And when you watch the um, actual show, which goes way too long, they always start off um, with the best supporting actress, and then they go best supporting actor, and then they go everything else, and then they finally get back to actor and, and actress. But we're not like that, folks. We're going to get right to it. Uh, because I got a printout from ABC, and the top one says actor in a leading role. So the nominees are, and I'll let Ernest pretend to open up the envelope and tell me who's going to oh, okay. win. The nominees are Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix in Joker, and Jonathan Price, The Two Popes. And the envelope, please. Tear, 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 tear. Joaquin Phoenix, and if he wins, this will be the second time an actor 
has won a best acting or supporting acting role for a that the same role won with another actor. Do you uh-huh. know who that act who those two actors were? Well, you know who the actor was. We talked already Heath about the best actor. Okay, what was the other role that two actors won the award for? Dum dum dum. The Jeopardy thing, right? Yeah, right, right. Somebody who they played the same role. Two but... actors played the same role, hmm. and the movie had pretty much the same title. <laughs> wow. Um... So I'm thinking it might be like the Ten Commandments or King of Kings, some biblical movie. Well, you going with the Jesus? You're going to go with Jesus <laughs> or Moses here, right? I don't know. What is it? Okay, Godfather 1, Godfather 2. Oh, I got you. Playing Don Carleone. Of course, Robert De Niro won it speaking Italian in Godfather 2. And we know who won it in Godfather 1, of course. Marlon Brando. Right. Well, see. So this would set a record if if now Driver did a good job. And I think a lot of people realize he's only been making movies for like seven years. He's a former he was a Marine and he did time in Iraq. He did and time. he did a good job. Oh yeah, he he did a tour of duty in Iraq. Uh so, he's a former uh, Marine. From that experience, he knows how to feel tortured because he plays Kylo Ren in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, I mean, he just, well, he did it. There's a, there's a nice little movie again where they, uh, I forgot the title of it, but where they robbed the Charlotte Motor Speedway. And he, he's always played those kind of goofy off characters and that same type of thing. Well, and Leonardo did a pretty good job, but, you know, Rick Dalton, and he got the accent down and everything. And Jonathan Price is an underrated actor for years. Mm -hmm. The first thing I ever saw him winning was Something Wicked This Way Comes. Back in the eighties, this is just a tip old. of the hat nomination for him. You know, like oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's it's and Banderas winning. There's no way he's going to win. I keep on no, seeing it's, him it's, in Zorro. You know, like, well, yeah. Oh well, you don't see him as uh, uh, what was what's the character in Shrek? Uh, <laughs> the cat. Oh, Puss in Boots. Yeah, yeah. You don't see he him as the that. Voice or... in Puss in Boots. All right. Yeah. Believe it or not, one time my wife and I were so desperate to see a movie. The only movie we went to see was Puss and Boots, and it was a follow-up to Shrek. It was not good at all. I can't no, believe we no. went to see it. We didn't have any kids with us. Strange. All right, well, let's get to the next category here. Actor in a supporting role. The nominees are Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Joe Pesci, The Irishman, and Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The envelope, please. Terror, terror, terror. And the only one of these guys not to get an Academy Award before this will win it this time, and that's Brad Pitt. Though I really like Pesci's. Pesci did, and then realized Pesci walked away from movies 15 years ago, and they called him 36 times to get him to play this role. And he does a nice, understated performance. Now, Pacino's Pacino, which means he's loud, but it's a personal type of role. Uh, but but Pitt will get like I said, Pesci impressed me the most. If I was voting, it'd be Joe Pesci because Brad Pitt's just being Brad Pitt. I mean, I actually thought he was better in Ad Astra than he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. And you know, Tom Hanks is just basically doing an impression of Mr. Rogers. Right. I mean, yeah, that's an impossible uh, job. 
And, you know, Anthony Hopkins is not asking for some fava beans. So that's what we'll always <laughs> well, do. I think Brad Pitt but, gets the sympathy vote for living with uh, Jolie, the Angelica Jolie for so long. So maybe he'll he'll win it. All right. So you got two picks there. Um, the next category is actress in a leading role. The nominees are Cynthia Ervo and Harriet. Scarlett Johansson, woohoo! Marriage Story, uh, Sarice Ronan in Little Woman, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellwinger in Judy. The envelope, please. This is another Azu, and it's going to be Renee Zellweger for Judy as uh, Judy Garland. Uh, it, the movie itself wasn't that good, but she she personified a very tortured individual that a lot of people still hold in very high regard. Probably one of the most talented performers of all time that just had a horrible choice in husbands. Judy Garland. And had an alcohol problem, Judy Garland. So she will win, even though Scarlett Johansson did a very underrated job. Uh, Charlize Theron should not have been nominated. I don't know why. That was a little watched movie, and we know all about that situation. So it's going to be Renee Zaywiger. All right. Our next category is actress in a supporting role. Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell. Laura Dern in Marriage Story. Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit. Florence Pugh in Little Women. And Margot Robbie in Bombshell. The envelope, please. It's going unfortunately to Laura Dern, who I thought was what? a little overbearing. Not Scarlett yeah. gets nominated twice and she doesn't get at least one of them? Yeah, I think it's going to be Laura Dern. And I no. kind of hate it because I thought you know, Hanson did a good job. I, thought, I actually thought Kathy Bates did a great job. I'm very familiar. we both very familiar with the Richard Jewell story. And yes. uh, I thought she did a great job. She the always did a great little, job, though. Yeah, it was just a little heavy-handed. I mean, Clint Eastwood kind of the media is bad. I mean, really worked out in that movie a little too much. But Dern will probably get it. Johansson did a good job. Uh, again, I like Margot Robbie, but that that was a horrible movie. Bombshell was just not that good. It mm. really wasn't. Yeah. All right, our next category is animated feature film. And I know you occasionally go to those with your grandsons. Yes. So the nominees are How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I Lost My Body, Claws, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. And the envelope, please. Tear, 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 tear. Toy Story 4 will get it. Yay. Because Disney, Disney owns Hollywood like they own everything else. <laughs> I Lost My Body and Claws are both on Netflix. Uh, I, you know, I, didn't, I saw Missing Link. I thought it was cute. It was okay. But it's going to be Toy Story 4. If nothing else, for the scene where uh, uh, the cowboy and the spaceman split up at the very end. I mean, people were crying through that. Mm. But this, are they, I, mean, this I haven't seen be it end. yet now. So oh, sorry. Down, sorry. Man, oh, spoiler, spoiler. Sorry. I mean, haven't they like got enough out of this? I mean, this has got to be the last one. I mean, yeah, I know that's foolish to say that. We're talking about Disney. Yeah. But but can can you squeeze any more out of this? I mean, how much more emotion can you get out of these <laughs> movies? I mean, I, the, you know, the first one, the second one, the third one, there's not much more to do, is there? I mean, yeah. uh, it'll okay. be, be, be Toy Story. We'll move sorry, on to our next. Sorry for the spoiler, folks. Sorry no, for the that's spoiler. Right. We're moving on to directing. Best director. The nominees are for... The Irishman, 
and I don't have the directors listed here for some reason. Martin Scorsese. The Joker. Uh, that's Todd Phillips who did The Hangover. 1917. Sam Melendez. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Quentin Tarantino. And Parasite. Bong Joe-ho. God bless you. Hey, you're welcome. And the, Boy, and the envelope, hard. please. Uh, I got uh, this. I love 1917, so I'm going to go with Sam Menendez. Uh, I, you know, Scorsese, there may be some sentimental vote for him. Uh, Todd Phillips did a better. I mean, again, I, I kind of sold out Todd Phillips to the extent that, that I thought, wow, he's just done comedies. I really thought James Mangold should have been nominated for Ford versus Ferrari. He did Logan. He did Wolverine. He did 310 to Yuma. He he does great men's movies. Uh, uh, uh. But I think Sam Menendez will get it for 1917. And Logan was a great movie. Uh, and it was oh, yeah. a different way to see Wolverine um, wrap up his career. I won't say anything more in case somebody hasn't seen it, but a really good movie. Oh, come on. They <laughs> I haven't right. seen it. Well, not everybody you sees as many movies six, as you, Ernest. Man, come six on. Six months. Six months. You know, again, uh, 310 to Yuma, which was a remake, which he did with Christian Bale, right. is is probably the last great Western that's been filmed by Hollywood. So he, mm. he just he does a good uh, – like I said, I, I'm very impressed. I'm, I'm sorry Sam Mangold was not nominated. And now we're down to the best picture. And I can't believe a couple of years ago, uh, was it Warren Beatty who read the wrong thing or had the wrong card in there? And anyway, well, stories have come out afterwards that they had like dummy letters, uh, envelopes set up. And they actually handed him the, that, that the actual card he read had that on. He was given the best actress. So basically, it said Emma Stone, uh, La La Land. LA, La La Land. So he saw that and knew it was the movie and read that off. So he was given the wrong envelope, as opposed to he was not given the the best picture, mm. which I think was Moonlight that right. year. Yes, Moonlight. All right. So we've already gone through the best picture. The envelope, please. Tear, 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 tear. All right. Best movie I saw. Uh, I've seen it twice. Took my grandson and my son to see it the second time. I was impressed by 1917. I don't think it's that depressing. I think the idea of what people will do for love of country, for love of their fellow man, for the love of their brother. I thought technically, technically it's a great movie, and I think the story is great also. So 1917. There is a lot of way for a lot of people about Parasite. I don't know quite know that. It will beat it. But for me, my opinion, I love 1917, and I highly uh, – there are – I would say anybody, Ford versus Ferrari, I would say Joker, I would say 1917, I'd say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are movies that I would endorse to see. And I'm going to say because – I'll just vote for the ones I've seen. I say Ford and Ferrari versus Ferrari was the best movie I saw, but I really enjoyed Knives Out, which didn't get any nominations anywhere. Um, just a fun mystery whodunit movie that kept you guessing a little bit and enjoyable. And with this, whole actually, he did get a nomination, Paul. 
What best? It was not best original editing? screenplay. Oh. Best original screenplay. Oh, sorry, I didn't go deep enough in my uh, analysis. Sorry. Here. Sorry. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I did get one. So the, that was the, a good the one. Accent, the Daniel Craig Southern Fried KFC. Well, they KFI made fun accent. of it, which was I thought it was a little inside joke the way they made fun of it. Um, but so those are the movies that were clearly acclaimed, but. You know the movie that made the most money, obviously, right? Which is In Game, In Game, Avengers, Avengers Endgame. Endgame. Do you? So I have the most the end of the year how much it made for the whole year internationally and uh, United States and overall. You want to guess overall I, how much it can made? Can I do my Austin Powers impression yes. and go one billion dollars? Try two point eight billion dollars. Oh man, the mouse is happy tonight. <laughs> so it made eight hundred and fifty-eight million in the United States. Internationally, it made one point nine billion dollars. China is a huge market these days, and you, so you notice in a lot of movies they make sure there's Asian characters or Asian settings. You know, they they they're over in China or Hong Kong or um, Japan or somewhere filming because they know they have a huge market over there. Do you know what number what two? Your, what was your favorite scene in that movie? What was your favorite scene? When Downing snapped his fingers um, at not the, the not the part when he died, but with heart when he snaps his fingers. It, well, they're pretty close together, but yes. Not not the part where he goes on your left, where Falcon comes coming out of the uh, circle. We're spoiling the movie, aren't we? <laughs> we said we weren't going to do this. When uh, uh, again, he comes out. Everybody comes out of the uh, time period. Right, thing. that is a Dr. cool Strange, part. Everybody, uh, not the part when he talks. Looks when Captain America finds his double and knocks him out. Looks down on the ground and goes, "That is America's ass." <laughs> it had, Sorry, I had to bring that I part. I think between. Avengers Endgame and the last Star Wars, I think Avengers Endgame did a better job of wrapping up so much. I think Star Wars had tried too hard and had too many things going on, and it it just didn't I never settled in. I think that um, I was a little disappointed. It was still good, don't get me wrong, um, but I felt like Avengers Endgame was a little more satisfying than the Lucasfilm. Um, Star, Star Wars was like, to me, like fan fiction. But you want me to pick the number two movie? Yeah, the number two movie that made the most money in 2019. Was it Star Wars? No. Remember, Star uh, Wars came out very late in 2019 because it Captain came out Marvel? near Christmas. Lion King was the second Lion movie. Lion King. So the live action and John Favreau, or whatever he says, the last name is made a ton of money. Favreau. 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 Okay. Overall, in the world, it made $1.6 billion. Uh, internationally, one point one. In the United States, five hundred forty-three million dollars. Number three was Spider-Man: Far From Home. That's a pretty good take, considering it's one character. Tells you how strong the Spider-Man brand is. It made one point one billion dollars overall. Three hundred ninety thousand. Three. Excuse me. Three hundred ninety million in America. Number four might surprise you, but as you say, Disney's loving all of this. Captain Marvel, one point one billion dollars worldwide. And then Toy Story 4, $1 billion worldwide. And then Aladdin <laughs> comes next, 
with are we gonna have a non-disney movie somewhere down the line here these are all disney movies number seven is joker was joker uh no it's not it's dc so So surprisingly joker made one billion dollars seven hundred million dollars overseas and 330 uh in the united states and then number eight Oh, well, let me say something about Joker. It's highest grossing R-rated movie of all time, passing Deadpool 2. Mm. Number eight, I think, might have been R-rated too. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. No, that's PG. Well, this is that's, Dwayne that's, The Rock Johnson and I forget the other uh, dude. Uh, oh, my. You hadn't said that. I would remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the one where The Rock pulls a helicopter out of the sky with his bare hands. Right. This is the, the one the where... The Rock Ildris, and, and Vin, Vin Diesel couldn't guy. get along anymore, so they Fast and Furious did a side movie with just The Rock and the other guy. And number nine is Frozen 2, just because it came out so late in the year. It might surpass all of these when it's done. Another Disney movie. Well, so, so far, we got nine movies, seven are Disney, two are not. Well, the last one is not Disney, and I never heard of it before. It's the only one, the whole thing, that's not a... Tip slash on quote unquote American movie. It's a Chinese movie, anime movie called Ne Za, and it w- made $740 million. And I never heard of it before. <laughs> you aren't the only one. Uh, I've never, I've, that's, I've never heard and of this it. This comes from Forbes magazine. So this is pretty reputable uh, list. So let's talk about the highest paid actors and get more depressed that we don't make enough money. <laughs> Um, well, that, that, it's interesting how everybody gripes about highest played athletes. Mm-hmm. They're not worth it and all that. But a- actors and performers and musicians, to a large extent, make even more money than performers, and no one ever gripes about it. Right. You I, hear everybody saying A Rod shouldn't make that much. Because or, they, they will not look, always make this much. You know, I think actors, they have a couple good years and they usually go down after that. Is Same. it that or it's athletes we think that? we could do that or they should be playing for the love of the game. What, I, what, what is the disconnect? I think we like we, actors more. We want to be like the actors more than we like to be the athletes. Or we think we couldn't do that. Whereas we think, you know, if we had enough training, we could be an NBA player or be a quarterback or be Tom Brady, which is really a ridiculous thought, but I'm sorry. I digress. Go ahead. So the number Highest one actor. actor is probably the most liked actor right now. And the largest actor, you probably know who that is. The Rock? The Rock made, according to Forbes, $89 million last year. Former former athlete, former yeah. defensive lineman for University of Miami. And former stand-up former, comedian, too. Former stand-up comedian. Former uh, Canadian football player, played for the Calgary Stampeders. Future presidential candidate. <laughs> I think he's serious about that. Well, we'll see on that one. Um, number two... Is a pretty strong guy. Was in the um, Marvel movies and surprisingly ahead of Robert Downey Jr. and that's Chris Hemsworth. Made seventy six million last year. Downey made sixty six million. He didn't make a ton of movies, but with Endgame, he got a percentage of the gross, which made. Well, see, he did that, whereas Hemsworth did Men in Black International, right? And he also did uh, the. Oh, the movie based in the 60s with Jeff Bridges, uh, one where he plays like a cult leader. Yes. Uh, uh, Check in yeah. a hotel thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll remember it later. So he had 
three movies probably in the top 50, so that's why he did very well. Number four is and, Ash K. Kumar. Yeah. What, uh, what is he in? I don't remember him. Uh, he's in uh, Stuber. Stuber? Stuber, yes. What's Stuber? Uh, Stuber, it's the movie with, uh, it's about a police officer who uses uh, Uber to break, it's a buddy comedy. He, on a buddy he's comedy, on, he makes $65 yeah, million? Yeah, he's also in Men in Black International. He was the voice of the little animated character. Oh, I'm, I know this guy. He wrote a movie with his girlfriend. Yeah, uh, yeah, one where she goes into a coma. Right. And uh, he, is, he is a talented performer. He's in the next Marvel movie, which is The Immortals or something like that. He, he's going to play a superhero character. So he's a stand-up comedian. And uh, I would guess with all three movies, if you put in the box office, yeah, he did pretty well. Well, number five might surprise you. It surprised me. Jackie Chan, even in his old age, is making $58 million. Number six was a tie between Bradley Cooper and Adam Sandler. The Sandman had a big comeback this last year with a lot of Netflix yeah. movies. Yeah, he did, he's a great little package with that. And they did the uh, Uncut Gems. A lot of people thought he would get... Uh, Academy Award nomination for a dramatic role with that. So I'm not taking, you know, Cooper was Starborn. Was that this year? Or was that, that was last year? Mm-hmm. Cooper was one of the producers for Joker. Mm. And I, I don't know if he's had, I'm trying to think any roles, any movies he had this year. Well, let's me round up the top 10 and then we'll go to the ladies quickly. And then we got to wrap okay. up this podcast. Chris Evans made $43 million. Paul Rudd made 41 Will Smith made 35 And then going to the women, um, it might surprise you. We'll go down the list here. I'll give you the whole list, and you can pick one or two to talk about. Number one, Scarlett Johansson. Woo-hoo, 56 million. Yeah, in-game. In-game and yeah. marriage story. Sofia and- Vergara, of all people, because she made so much from the TV. They included TV people as well, made $44 million. Reith Witherspoon. Spoon, excuse me, 35. Nicole Kidman, 34. Jennifer Aniston, 28 million. Kaylee Kukuko, or whatever, from Big Band Theory, 25. Elizabeth Moss from Handmaid's Tale made 24. Margot Robbie made 23. Charlize Theron, I probably said that wrong, 23. And surprisingly, Grey Anatomy star Ellen Pompeo made $22 million. She, she no movies. She was just TV. Uh, a lot of TV shows for a lot of, a lot of those are more TV shows other than Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Most of those were like TV or HBO or Netflix movies in that respect. So Ernest. Fascinating. Go ahead. Go ahead. Elizabeth Moss did uh, a little film called Her Smell. and was very good in it. She's an underrated <laughs> actress. She so, plays a punk rocker. It's a, it's a good movie. Get a chance to get it, watch it. Go so ahead. As we oh, wrap up, we got time. About two minutes left to go. So if you were on an isolated, let's say you had to go in isolation for a weekend okay. and you can only watch three movies, which three movies would you watch? Uh, of course, Blazing Saddles. That's my all-time <laughs> favorite all time. Blazing Saddles. I love that. Uh the Shining. So I got my comedy. I got my horror film. What would be next? Uh, boy, three movies. That's 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 hard in that respect. Uh, okay, because you caught me doing this at Super Bowl halftime. 
Got to go with Tropic Thunder. I love <laughs> Tropic Thunder. So I'm going to laugh and I'm going to be scared. But, but all those movies are technically, they survive time. One of them was done in the 60s, still today. Could uh -huh. be filmed today. That's Blazing Saddles. One of them was done in 1980. That's The Shining. Still is scary. Still is well done today. Mm -hmm. And Tropic Thunder, which is about 12 years old, Still hilarious with a great cast. How about your three? What's your three? Well, for my three, first of all, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is one of my all-time favorites. It was just such fun with Sean Connery and Harrison Ford. Uh, a lot of great lines in that, like you chose unwisely, things like that. Um, uh, one that th goes back to my uh, teenage years, it was a one that's not too well-known. It's called Silent Movie by Mel Brooks. Oh, yes. Who's the only person to talk in that movie? Is Marcel Marceau, the the oh, mime, the guy who actually a mime. Everybody else did not talk. But my buddy and and I looked little, at that and we laughed so hard. Little, I'm really debating about one. the last one. Um, well, let me give you a little time. I'll give you some trivia on your first choice while you think about it. What do you think the age difference was between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford, who played father and son? 11 years. Nine years. Mm, wow. <laughs> Sean Connery is not aged as well as Harrison Ford. Well, you go bald, you just don't age that badly. <laughs> I hope, I hope, I Wait hope. a second, we, don't get personal here. We both here. hope, all right, we both hope. Well, go ahead. Your yeah. third choice. I don't know. You know, I really liked Ford versus Ferrari. I really like League of Their Own, just how fun, you know, Tom Hanks' movie is. Well, let me, let me help you out. Let me help you out. What's the movie when you're watching TV and you're scrolling through on a Thursday night, nothing's on, oh, no Shawshank Redemption? There you go. That's the movie that you're in. It comes on, and you have to watch it. That's your third choice. It, it, that Get movie is so Yeah, that's Sorry. an awesome movie. If somebody hasn't seen that, you need to see it because it just has so many twists and turns and so well done, thoughtful, humorous, uh, redeeming in its own way. That is a really good movie, one of the best. Based, based on a Stephen King short story called The Shawshank Redemption, and Rita Hayworth, because the poster in the story is Rita Hayworth, whereas it's Raquel Welch in the movie itself. Mm -hmm. uh, the same director did The Green Mile, which is one of my all-time favorites, right? which has more of a spiritual lilt to it than anything. Well, Ernest, we've run out of time again. We hope, folks, you liked our our uh, Oscars show and hope that you watch the Oscars and Ernest will keep score. We'll see how many of these you get right. Maybe I'll do as well as I did with the Super Bowl. Yeah, you did pretty good. So did I. All right. So for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Hope you enjoyed part of the confusion. And I'll see you at the movies. And I'll save you a seat on the back row. <laughs>